Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. One of the things I think so often is when we have a challenge, we either grow from it or run from it. I choose to grow from it. Good morning. Look at someone and say, good morning. You look marvelous. Come on, tell them, you look marvelous. <laughs> well, I want to start something new, and um, I'm actually going to bring a chair with me today, just in case I want to sit down. There's been so many things going on, and... Um, one of, the, one of the things I like to do this morning is take a moment and just sit and talk with you before I get into my message. And one of the things I think all of us need to understand is that God is always trying to do something in us, no matter what season or no matter what winds are blowing. And you know when the winds stop blowing, it gets tough? How many know you try walking in the wind and the wind's blowing against you and it's hard to walk? But you keep walking. And the reality is that 2021 is done. But then we have a question, what will we do in 2022? And and I'll tell you what, saints, I reflect a lot every year, and I try to learn something, even if it's one thing from that year, of what I can do better, watch this now, to be a better me. Not that I can do something greater, because it's not until you become stronger interior then God gives you an opportunity to do something greater in whatever capacity so it's not about doing great things it's about being the best you can be that's all it is and nobody's there look at your neighbor right now and just relieve them and say don't worry you're not there yet (laughs) nobody's there I'm not there I want to be there and we can get there but it, it is a process so I just wanted to sit down and I want to say, you have a new year. I'm going to challenge you to change the way you think. I'm going to challenge you because what hinders people from growing is their thinking. Their thinking. They either allow situations from the past, which this is what we'll talk about today, the past. Then we'll be next week with the renewal and then the new focus. But honestly, I want you to just start, think about something, and I want you to really go home today, and I want you to think about 2021. I want you to think about the things that happened, the things that brought you down, the things that brought you up, the things you learned, good or bad, and to really give it a reflection, and then ask the question, what could I have done different? Not what could someone else do different, but what could you do different? Because change only takes place when you and I want to change. You've heard the saying. The saying goes, change is possible when remaining the same is too painful. Now change now becomes possible because the pain of change is less than the pain of remaining the same. Did you get that? When we have so much pain and we're so frustrated because of where we are, We recognize to change would make less pain in my life than to continue to do the same thing and going through the same bunny rabbits, the same bunny trails. Have you ever been through the same bunny trails? I know I have. And I go through the little bunny trails and I'm like, oh, I've seen that rock before. Oh, I've seen that rock before. And I want to talk to you about that 2021 is done. What will you do in 2002? The title of my message today, though, is this. In the back of your bulletin, you have some notes there. You can add to them. Just got a little outline. But the title is Get Past Your Past. Get Past Your Past. You know, when things happen, and I've been in ministry for a long, long, long time, and so I know how it is to have painful experiences, and I know how it is to have joyful experiences. And no matter what occupation you have, no matter what you try to do, you're going to have ups and downs, and you're going to have hurts and helps, and you're going to have the both of gamuts. The question is, the question is, what do we do with those? Either we 
carry them everywhere we go, or we actually learn how to heal from them, so we grow from them, so we become better for them. So as we take this journey, I pray your heart is open. I pray that you understand that God really wants you to get this because some of God's greatest servants in the scriptures gone through some hardships. People were very nice. Paul the Apostle knows about hardships, and we're going to talk about Paul the Apostle. I went online just recently, and I looked up New Year's resolutions. Now, just out of curiosity, just out of curiosity, how many of you made a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand. Okay, I see a couple hands. Okay, a couple hands. All right. Well, I looked it up and I, on a search engine, and these are how many results I came up with. 1,260,000,000 searches on just one topic. Do you see how important that is? People say, New Year, time for a new me. They'll sign up for the gym. They'll get on a diet. They'll start doing all these things. And boy, they will start really, really, really good. But they don't change the way they think. And until they change the way they think, they will not change the things they do. You see, when I take time to reflect on my year, and I'm going to be going away shortly to reflect on my year and to do a couple other things. And as I reflect on it, I ask God four areas that I want God to reveal to me. I want to know where I have grown and where I haven't grown. What have I done? Not what people. I do not look this way. I look this way. I look in me. Because we always want our situations to change. It's never our situation. It's always us. Always us. So I look at my spirituality. I ask God, have I connected to you, my Savior, closer? Or have I allowed something to get in between my relationship with you? Have I allowed some situation or circumstance? Have I allowed something there, Lord? So I look at my spirituality and I say, how much have I really grown? I look physically. I look at my physical. I say, Lord, have I took care of my body? Have I watched what I eat? Have I got into a, an exercise program that I'm happy about? Lord, physically, am I where I want to be physically? I'll answer the question. Uh, if you want to know if, what that answer is, it's no. <laughs> and then financially, I ask myself, have I been wise with the resources in which God has given me? And have I, watched this now, have I given the best that I could give unto my Lord? I give 40% of my income every year away, almost 40%. And I always am trying to move it every single year more and more and more as I learn to live and give. And God just continues to bless and help and strengthen and lead. And I am so grateful for his goodness. And I'm looking forward to doing even more as God just blesses. But I want to understand something. Financially is not getting. Because when God gives you, then you need to say, God, what can I bless you with? Or how can I bless others with? It's not about just living and getting, it's about giving. And I ask God about the aspect of my financially, my physically, my spiritually, and then emotionally. This is a big one, guys. Emotionally. God, have I become stronger in my mind? Have I been stronger allowing the Spirit to control me so that I don't lose control when, when someone, you know, cuts in front of you? How many of you, <laughs> how many of you are not good behind the wheel? Yeah, you know, <laughs> how many of you lose your Christianity when people just cut you off and call you your number one? I'll give you number one, Buster. I want you to understand this, is what will God do in you in 2022? And it does not determine on God, it determines on you and me. Let me tell you a true story. Cecil DeMille was a producer of Ben-Hur. How many ever watched the movie Ben-Hur? Huh? Yeah. Well, Cecil DeMille went up to Charlton Heston and told him that there's going to be a great chariot race at the end of the movie. And he said to him, he said, Charlton, I, 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 I want you to be able to drive a chariot of horses, four horses with a little tiny seat. 
And uh, he says, I'd rather not have a stuntman do it. It would make better filming if you can learn how to race in, on, in the chariot race at the end of the movie. So sure enough, they got someone to teach him, and, and uh, he worked hard day and week after week, and finally he comes over to um, Cecil DeMille, and he says, I can drive your chariot horses in the race. And then Cecil DeMille says, great, fantastic. But then he said this, this is the priceless. Charlton Heston said, but I cannot win the race. I am just not that good. I can drive it. I can run him, but I'll never win the race. Cecil DeMille just laughed and smiled at Charlton Heston. And he said, listen, you just have to stay in the race. I'll make sure you win. You just have to stay in the race. I'll make sure you win. God is saying the same thing to you and I. God just says, I just want you to stay in the race. I'll make you win. Because he's your author of your discovery of your life. He's in charge. He's your captain. He's just asking you, stay in the race. So many, so many don't stay in the race. I have seen over the years of the years that people want to, it's easier to quit. It's easier to run. It's easy when I don't feel. And then they'll say what they don't feel about. I don't feel. Well, that's part of the strong emotion is never allow your feelings to lead you. Do you know James Dobson, and I brought this out a few times, but James Dobson wrote about, wrote about your emotions. Can you trust them? And the whole book simply says, no, you can't. Because emotions want to lead you, but faith guides you. And that's why we have to understand that we're in a race. No matter how many years God gives us, we're in a race. And God just says, just like Cecil DeMille said to Charleston, Charleston Chew, I wanted to say. Charlton Heston. <laughs> yeah. Anybody like Charleston Chews? I, I think they're great. <laughs> Let's move on. Says to Charlton Heston, just stay in the race. I'll, I'll make sure you win. God just says, listen, saint, listen, son, listen, daughter. I just want you to stay in the race. I'm control of all things. Don't you know I spoke all things to existence? Just recently, I got a chance to see a documentary that just stirred my heart. And if you want something, just, just a, a documentary that, and you like this kind of stuff, it was just on the Inspiration 4 that just went up to the highest level of the atmosphere um, in space and SpaceX. And they did a whole documentary, a whole story of just taking regular individuals and taking them to space. And the story of each individual. You know what I loved about it is that they had to go through some stuff in order to get to their destiny. And some in times we go through the stuff and instead of pushing it through with God and staying in there, we gets tough. And you know what people happens? When a kitchen gets hot, people want to leave the kitchen. But the meal is never cooked when the cook leaves the kitchen. I want you to understand that God has a way that he wants to do something wonderful in your life. Romans 8, 28, we all know this. It says, and we know, and we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For we know that in all things, in all things, we know that God, in all things, God is with us. He just wants you to stay right have your hands on the plow. I want to go to the book of Philippians this morning, chapter 3. If you want to go there with your Bibles, you can. Chapter 3 is a beautiful portion of chapter. In the very beginning, in the very beginning, we see that there are false teachers that have come into the church of Philippi. And the false teachers are now emphasizing the ritual of circumcision. And they are puffing up themselves in the flesh of their credentials. And Paul the Apostle kind of comes down hard on these individuals and he calls them dogs. And of course, dogs back in the Bible days are not like how we treat dogs today. Dogs that in the Bible time were mangy, full of fleas and ticks and just yucky and they could turn on you and they were very... Um, they could bite you in a second, and nobody wanted anything to do with these wild dogs. 
You go to some countries today and you see those dogs, that type of dog is hanging around and just, you would never want to bring them in your house. And if you try to bring them in their house, you wouldn't, they would kick you out of their house. It's just that different, it's a different mindset in the Bible where it talks about dogs. Dogs does not have the same thing like my little buddy at home. (laughs) And then he goes on and he's just, talking about the flesh, and, and, and this is what he does. He, he says, I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to boast. But then, but then he has this moment, and he says, you know, if anybody does have a, a moment to boast in the flesh of what, uh, where I come from, because these individuals, these false teachers seem, they're all, seem like they're all that in a bag of chips, and they're, they're saying all this, he then gives us a little bit here. He tells us a little bit about his background. Look at your neighbor and say, everybody has a past. It says, if anyone else, if someone thinks that he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrews of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Here is a man, before he got saved, was doing everything he could possibly do to please God. He had a great past, except in that great past was also the one persecuting the church. This is big. Paul the Apostle had to live with the aspect of understanding that he persecuted the church. He threw people in prisons, separated children from families, put their parents in prisons. He is accused of being part of the stoning of Stephen. And so he has a past. Someone says he has a past. So what he's trying to do here, he's given a list. He says, of the right rituals, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the right people group, I was an Israelite. I was of the right family, I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I had the right religion, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I had the right occupation, I was a Pharisee. A group held in great religious esteem. The right zeal, I had so much zeal, I persecuted the church because I thought what they were doing was wrong. And for morality, outward, keeping God's command, I fall to a T. I wouldn't say he was perfect, but the scripture says faultless. I want you to understand, Paul the Apostle had a religious background. His training, everything he went through, he had something to boast about. But something happened to the Apostle Paul that changed his life. And Paul learned that you can't put your trust in your flesh. And so many times, people always want to go to the flesh. You know, what I've done, puffed up, little, you know, put your feathers out. And Paul's really emphasizing here, as the false teachers are emphasizing their accreditation and their this and their this, Paul's really saying, listen, that's just all flesh. Compared to Jesus Christ, that don't hold a light. I I want you to understand something as the false teachers were emphasizing their, their resume. All through the scripture, when it talks about the flesh and sin, it's usually in a negative way. And Paul's talking about his old life And he's about to change a path. But before we go to change a path, you and I need to understand that we all have a past. I have a past full of hurts and stuff that has taken place. I've had a past where I have a wish list that I wish this would have took place and I wish this would have took place. Everybody has a past. And we seem to remember the things that hurt the most. But I want you to talk about the flesh for a moment. And I want to read this portion of scripture. Look with me with Galatians chapter 6. It says, because the person who sows to his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Watch this now. Look at verse 9. So we must not grow weary in doing good. For in due time, someone say due time. For in due time we will reap if we do not give up. So then, what, 
whenever we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those, to the family of faith. I want you to understand, when it comes to the flesh, you can live your life in the flesh mode. That means you want to get everything you want. When you talk about flesh, flesh is talking about two things, really. Me and my, my desires. That's what flesh does. Flesh is all about me and my desires. But the spirit is not about self. The spirit is about God and others. That's what the spirit is. It's about God's word, God's way, and how we can fulfill God's work, and that's others. There's a whole different deal between the spirit and the flesh. Now, the people in Philippi, these teachers that were teaching wrong, wrong things and leading people astray, were focusing so much on the flesh. But Paul's about to teach a lesson about what happens in the spirit. I think I want to share this with you because in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus tried to teach his disciples something while they were sleeping when he asked them, hey, can you just stay and pray for a little bit? And he says this in Matthew chapter 26, 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we have to ask ourselves a question here. When we live our life, are we going to live life according to what we want? Are we going to live life according to uh, our desires? Are we going to really finally get to a point in life and say, God, my life is your life? Because that's when we start to grow in our Christendom. It's not about us obtaining. It's about us really understanding God, loving God, so then God does his greatest work through us. Look at your neighbor and say amen. amen. You see, so this portion of Scripture found in verses 4 and 6 in chapter 3, Paul the Apostle is giving about his past. And let's, take a, let's stop for a second and ask yourself this question. Here's the question I want you to ask. In the past year... What can you remember? In your past year, how have you done in the decisions you have made? In your past year, how kinder have you, how kinder, or how kind, I should say, you have been to your family member? I want you to say this because this is really important. One of the things I see all the time is that families, especially close together, don't treat each other nice. Even though, even though, even though those family members sometimes are their strength. I want you to understand that in the past year, how did you spend your time building others up? When you look at your time last year, what stands out to you? Not just what happened to you, here's go now, but what did you, God do through you? Because as you look down, and this is why it's really important to keep a journal, or for you girls, a diary. Us guys don't use diaries, we do journals. <laughs> but doing a journal is really important to just to remind yourself what God's done through you, because you'll forget, but a journal won't. That's why the shortest pencil is greater than the best memory. I want you to understand something that some time ago, uh, there was a credit card company and they had a little slogan, don't leave home without it. Huh? I mean, remember that? Your past, your experiences go with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, you take your hurt, you take what people said to you, you take what people, how people discourage you, you take people, people who say you can't do it. Lord knows I have a backpack full of that. People who say it can't. And making fun of me. I have a backpack of that junk. But I understand the God who created me. And I understand the God who's working in me. And I understand a God who's doing a work in you and through you. I understand that God's doing a work right now in your heart. But is your heart attentive to him? Is your heart attentive to what God's trying to say in you and through you? I want you to get this in your heart because you have a past, but your past does not define your future. And if we don't dictate and understand your past and resolve it, every place you go, you won't leave home without it until you finally resolve it by the power of Jesus Christ. It's important. Because so often, so often, I, I, I think it's important for all of us to understand that you and I sometimes hold on to the past more than 
we should. It's comforting. I don't know about you, but we all have lack. Look at your neighbor and say, do you have any lack? <laughs> if they say no, tell them to come to the altar right now. <laughs> Let me show you a portion of Scripture. And most of you know this portion of Scripture. But we have to understand this because when you have a past, something has to happen to that past so that past is behind you, not leading you. Paul the Apostle had a past. He had a great past. He was raised up and taught by Gamaliel, one of the greatest scholars of the day. He had a great upbringing, great family, great education. He made a name for himself. He was doing good. But it was also, he was serving a God in ritual, but did not understand the God in heart. Paul the Apostle, on the outside, during the law, he was faultless, but he failed when Jesus was in front of him, when the Word was in front of him. He could not see that he was the fulfillment of the very scriptures in which he had taught and learned and learned and memorized, and he knew the stuff. You can know all the memorization. You could have been in church. You could have, you could have been born in church. Plop, there he is. He's in church. He's in service. First day. Some of you are pretty close to that. <laughs> Let's look at this portion of Scripture found in Acts chapter 9. This is what happened to Paul. Paul had a moment with God. Paul had an encounter with God Almighty. Look what it says, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. Murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priests and he asked for them letters to the, uh, in the, to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who would belong to the way, that's the Christians, that's what they call them, the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, that was Paul's name before. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? The Hebrew name. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days, check this out now, for three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Did you hear that? I want you to look at a man who's very serious about the things of God. That here he is blind, he just met God, and then he goes into a three-day fasting with no water and no food. That's a person who wants to get an answer. That's a person who really wants to get connected to God because they're all in, all in. And so he doesn't eat for three days or even drink. That's pretty impressive. I don't know about you, but that's really impressive. And later, God then gives a vision to Ananias and says, Hey, listen, go to this man, Saul, and I want you to lay hands on him and heal him. I love the conversation there. You have to read it there in, in Acts. But Ananias, Lord, don't you know who this man is? <laughs> He's a man persecuting the church. Yes, God knew all about that. But I want you to understand something. This is important. Paul had an encounter. He had a past. He was now persecuting the church. The problem is he encountered God. And when he had this encounter, it's going to set up next week because next week is a good week. Next week is all of a sudden where a refocus of mind. Because something happens. And if you don't put yourself where God can encounter you, then all you'll do is complain about what's not happening. Because if you want something to change, you have to encounter God. My life changed drastically with the encounter of God. Not too long ago, I had, a, I had an encounter with God. It was a beautiful encounter. 
that really helped me in so many ways. And I'm, I'm thankful for those moments when God comes on the scene and does something. But you've got to put yourself in that position. If you want to see a home run take place, where do you go? Ballpark. If you want to see a touchdown take place, where do you go? Football field. If you want to see God do something in your life, where do you go? In prayer. The reality is we need to put ourselves in the position so that God can do something to do, change us. We need that encounter. Oh, I have a situation. I have this. I have this. And that's fine. We all have something. But put yourself in the position. And here's what I like even better. Paul is not expecting this encounter. Paul's just going on a mission. God interrupts his mission. Why? Why did God do that? Because God saw his heart. He was ignorant of the truth. But he really thought he was doing the right thing. The big question that we have to ask ourselves is, when you've been challenged, when you've been disappointed, when you've gone through some hardships, these are not easy. I totally get it. When you go through blessings and things that encourage you, when you think of last year and you look at your up and downs, how are you going to respond to them? How are they going to make you better? Because if you give them no thought, if you give them no thought, they will have no action on your life. If you do not determine in your heart to learn from the lesson, so the lesson is something applied to your life, there will be no change in your life. Because there is no change without intentionality. I'm going to say it again. There is no change without intentionality. You have to be intentional to order to see a difference take place. And you are that aspect before God shows up. You have to say, God, here I am. I'm intentional. I'm going to meet with you every day, God. We're going to have a moment. That's called prayer. God, I'm going to be in your word. I'm going to get to know your heart. And the only way to get you to know your heart, God, I need to be in your word. That's called reading your Bible. And this is the beauty part. God, I really want to know and, have, and grow in the knowledge and understanding and your wisdom so I can apply it to my life. That's called a Berean. That's called a stu- one who studies the word of God. So, so that God can do great things? No. So that you can be a great vessel for him. Growth comes by reflection. And saints, I want to encourage you that when Paul was blind for those three days, there was a lot of reflection going through the Apostle Paul. And he wasn't done yet. Then there's going to be another three more years added to his life as he studies the Word of God to become that preacher that he becomes. And that individual ends up writing almost I think it's half, more than half the New Testament. God used him in a great way. But he also suffered, just as the word, is, the word of God says, he suffered in a great way. I made up a saying many years ago. I like making up sayings. And I'm trying to put them all together, pass them on to my children. So I can always put that little thing on, you know, say those things that you, they say. I never would say that. My dad said that. I would never say that. And then I love when my boys... Sometimes we'll say, you know, Dad, I'm saying this just like you said it. And I'm like, yeah, it happens. Trust me. I do the same thing with my dad. My dad, you say, oh, my, how many times I've heard this. He who lives in a glass house should not throw stones. Oh, my. And it's true. Growth is important. Very important. I made the saying up. It's not what happens to you that determines who you are. It's what happens in you that determines how your life is going to be. A lot of people say, well, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've been through. Okay, I need to get it. Everybody's been through something, and it's all different. But nevertheless, it all comes down to one thing, pain. Pain is different. It's still pain. It still hurts. And the thing is, it's not important what's happened to you. It's what is going to happen in you that determines your character, your strength, and who you become. It's very important. If people hurt you, will you carry their hurt to others? Because hurting people hurt people. Because they unresolved, they do not resolve a conflict. 
And because they do not resolve a conflict, they just hurt everybody around them. And usually, usually they hurt the ones they love. Because it's unresolved in heart. Do not be a person who carries open wounds because open wounds hurts others. If people discourage you and pull you down, will you take those words to heart and that allow that to prevent you from growing personally into everything God has you? I had people many years come up to me, many years I worked with these people, and they would call me every day, hey, Brian, you big zero. Hey, big zero, how you big nothing, you? You're nothing. You are never going to add up to nothing. That's how I used to have to put up with people at work. But God, but God, I think, thank you, God, I'll be nothing so that I can be something in you. That's okay. Because sometimes the positions of other people think they're all that in a bag of chips. But there's a lot of air in that chips, that bag. (laughs) And usually when you open the bag, poof, you realize how much is in the contents. It's not how one feels. That's not the problem. It's what you're going to be in God. And with God, you have everything you need. Look at your neighbor and say, you have everything you need. If people want to remind you of your mistakes and your failures, and all they do is want to look at your faults, now they're doing is showing their own insecurity of where they are. But you do not have to take that route or take that path. You can rise up and be a blessing and encouragement to everybody who comes your way. That's a choice of heart. Never get bitter. Always get better. You see, an honest reflection of your life is what Paul the Apostle had to do in that moment on the Damascus, those three days where he could not see. I don't know about you, but I want you to put yourself there that you cannot see. You had an injury. You cannot see for three days. And you're not sure. You're not sure you're ever going to get your sight back. Paul didn't know that God was arranging a moment. Not right away. So, we have to ask ourselves a question. In this new year, in this new year, what are you going to do different? This is, this is a real, this, don't, don't brush this one off. I've brushed this one off for many years. Wanting to do different without really sitting down with an application and a game plan. Paul the Apostle was faced with not, no seeing and hearing Jesus say, why are you fighting against me, Paul? Who are you? I'm working for God. <laughs> well, you got the wrong one, baby. He had the right idea, but he didn't know. He couldn't recognize God. But what are you going to do this year differently in prayer, in reading, in studying, in memorizing Scripture? I'm trying to do that to a lot better in memorizing Scripture. How much time are you going to commit to serving God in ministry? Or how much time are you going to commit your lives to doing something for God? We're so much focused on ourselves and we get focused on all the wrong things and we miss God in the equation. And we ask ourselves, God, why, why ain't this working? And here's the key. Why don't I have that joy? Why don't I have that peace? Only you can ask this question. Only you know what isn't happening in your life that needs to happen. Only you know what can make changes in your life that needs to make the change. Because you're the one in control. Only you know what areas you must take responsibility in. And own it. See, when people talk to people enough... Sometimes uh, it's a lot of talk, and I'll be honest with you, I, I was in this category for many years, and I'm so done with it. I'm so done. My heart was right to change my life. My heart was right to grow a little bit each year, keep growing. My heart was right, but I, I talked more than I did. I talked more than I did. And I got to a moment, and it was just not too long ago, you know, a year ago, I got to a moment, and I said, God, I, I don't want to talk no more. I'm done talking. 
There are certain things that I want to accomplish, and with God's help, I'll accomplish those things. And I am not talking about it anymore. I'm just doing it. Just going to do it. And I want you to understand what is really important for you that you want to accomplish before you finally give up your last breath. And all of us are going to do that one day. Before you do that, what are these things that are really important to you? Who do you want to cast your, your message to? Whether it's your children, grandchildren, friends, neighbors, total strangers. What do you want people to say at your funeral? Dictates how you are intentional about your life. I want people to say that I was caring. Well, do you care for people? I want people to say that I was loving. Well, do you love people? Do you go out of the way to help a stranger? Do you, do you reflect Jesus Christ? And if there's an area in your life you say, you know, I need to be a little better here, then intentionally work on that. Paul the Apostle is about to go through a moment because he now has three days, watch this, to reflect, to think. He has just encountered God. How would your life be if God met a moment and he, you encountered God and God said to you what you were doing wrong? Wow, huh? Kind of wakes all of us up. I know it wake me up. Paul the Apostle had a past. We all have a past, don't we? But you cannot live with that past. I had a past of cheating all through my four years, I should say six years, but four years of high school, cheating. I actually met, went through all four years of high school by cheating, except for my trade that I did by myself. But all my academics, my girlfriend, now wife, did for me. And so I didn't have to do the work. But then when God saved me and put me in college, <laughs> I was not prepared to be at that level. It was the miserable, most miserable days of my life. But it's when God finally got a hold of my heart and started doing something in me. And I can be honest with you today, he's still doing it. I wish I would say the chapter's closed, but the chapter is still ongoing. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Apostle Paul had a, a past, and so I want you to reflect upon your past. I want you to say, I want you to say to yourself, where can I make a difference in my life? How can I treat people when I'm upset? You know, this is where control comes from. When you're upset, how you treat people? When I am upset, and it takes a lot for me to get to a high point of upsetness, but when I get there, I do my best to even control my words. And I will say, I am so upset right now, I'm telling you, I am ticked. That's my upsetness. If I get past that, that's really bad. But if you knew me before, I break the door down. If you knew me before, I would put a hole in things. If you knew me before, I would break a phone right in my hands. And then my beloved wife would say, are you better now? Because now we have to buy a new phone. I'm just saying... We all go through these things of growing and growing and, and moving, but you have to be intentional. It ain't going to happen. God will do the work, and he'll do his best if you do your best. God, had a, God was working with Paul's past so that he can renew his mind so he can give him a new future. I want you to know right now, you have to really ask yourself a couple questions about your past. And are you happy with it? Are you happy with your attitude? Are you happy with your thinking? Are you happy with your decisions? Are you happy with your, the way you approach uh, your people and your own family? Are you happy with your, the way you are living your faith, the way you are living for God? Are you committed? Are you all in? Are you, a, are you desiring to be a pleasure before God? Because one day, what keeps his bones moving is one day, I'm going to have to stand before God. You're going to have to stand before God. And we have to be all in. Because he was all in for me. And any friend of mine who was all in for me would go to the cross. I'm all in. I'm yours, God. You took me from the pit. Brought me to your palace. And now, God, I want to be your people. 
But the only way that happens is a process that doesn't happen overnight. It's year after year, year after year, year after year. And as I'm 97 years old, <laughs> I'm shooting for the 90s anyhow. I'm 97, I'll go 97. 93, 94 sounds more accurate, but I'm not, 97 years old. I still want to be striving and driving for Jesus Christ. There was a man in this church many years ago. Spent a lot of time with him. His name was Brother Bosco. Some of you know who he was. One of the greatest things when I went to go visit him, he would always tell me about how he was sharing Jesus with all the nurses and sharing Jesus with everybody who came into his path. And he's like, hey, got another one saved today. And I said to myself, God, this is how I want to be as I check out. You know, I like to talk, right? You know, so. <laughs> but I didn't do that in me. That's what God has done in me. But to share Jesus right to the very end. I mean, you've got a captive audience. If they're taking care of you, they just can't leave you. Charlie, look at that. You've got a beautiful angel over there. Share Jesus with you. And look, now you're in church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Someone cared and shared, made a difference in the kingdom of God. All heaven was excited. So the problem is we get so earthly involved, we, told so, we focus so much upon the earthly things, we forget about what God's trying to do. That means everything. Because God's always involved, always involved. The problem is we just don't want to see it because it's just not the way we like to see it. Let's move on to verse 7. It says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. This is a powerful portion of scripture. I want you to get this. Paul's looking at his past. He is now coming from a hindsight. He's now been through all of the transformation from, from Acts chapter 9. And he's now looking at his life. He looked at where he was. He, he looked at this encounter with God. And all of a sudden now, he has a different perspective he said, whatever was to my profit. You know when people have a high-paying job? People come from the right family. People know people. I like when I talk to people and I'm like, how are you going to get there? Don't worry, I know people. I know people in places. You know, I know people. <laughs> I love when people say that to me. I know people. I just want to say, I know the God of all creation. <laughs> Paul learned the lesson of what is important. It's the key. It's the key. It's not your past. Anything that God has given you in gift and ability, you need to direct it to God. It was him who formed you. It was him who gave you the gifts. It was him who gave you the ability to do what you need to do. You can't puff yourself up. I remember the story. This is a great little cute little story. I don't know if it's true or not. I read it many, many years ago. But I could see it happening because if you had kids, you can see this happening. The pastor was coming over, and at one time, the pastor coming over was a big deal. And so they're going to have the pastor over, over for supper and stuff, so they're making everything right and, and stuff like this. And so the, the parents always talk to the kids. Now, be on your best behavior. Don't do this. Don't do this. I guess we failed on that one, right? Because when, pe- when we're entertaining, our kids knocked over glasses. Water was everywhere. It was, it just a, it was a chaos sometimes. And, uh, and so I... Um, so the story goes on, and uh, pastor sits down, wonderful meal, and, um, and then they have a knock on the door. And as a person goes to the door, and it happens to be this well-known businessman who just happened to pop in, very popular, very wealthy, and he sits down, and he joins the meal. So now you have the pastor, you have all the kids, and now, to put the pressure on the parents, you have this businessman that's well-known that stopped in just to say hello, and now he's at the table because they invited him to stay. And so all of a sudden, at the end of the table, the pastor's talking to the businessman, and the little boy's just staring, just staring at this businessman. And finally, they stop talking, and the man says, may I help you? What, you have a question on your, your mind? He says, uh-huh. And then my mommy and daddy says, you're very, very rich. (laughs) He said, well, son, I am a self-made millionaire. And uh, the little boy nodded his head and said, hmm, why'd you make yourself look like that if you're self-made? 
It's really interesting. That little boy is looking at him. He may be a millionaire, but the little boy says, why'd you make yourself look like that? And and I think sometimes we think we're a bag of chips and we think we're all that in a bag of chips. We we think we're hot, hot stuff. But I want you to let you know something. God sees it from a different perspective. God doesn't really care about the tangible. He cares about the things that are internal. I don't, I don't know about you, but Paul was saying, what was profit to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Here's, here's something I want you to think about. If Paul understood this, and he did, that Christ was better than everything, just like the book of Hebrews, better, better. Christ was better than a religious affiliation. It don't make a difference what affiliation you are. It's what you do with Jesus Christ. I remember my missionary friend, one person that took real interest in my life, and I was struggling about my credentials, and I didn't want to become a Sunnies of God. I really had a problem with a few things. And this, this elderly man who was missionary for many, many years, beautiful man, never forget this guy. He's now, him and his wife are now in glory with a great reward for what they did in Nigeria. And he said to me, he said to me, Brian, it's not your affiliation of what you're affiliated with. It's what you do with Jesus that's going to stand before Jesus. God's not going to ask you about your affiliation. He's going to find out, what did you do for me, son? So Paul the Apostle knew that Jesus was better than their religious affiliation. It was better than a family good name. It was better than social position. It was better than social popularity. It was better than financial gain and position. Matthew tells us this in verse thir- chapter 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking godly pearls, who when he found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. That's exactly what Paul's saying. Nothing of this earth means anything when it comes to Jesus Christ. And yet, we have people on this earth that's trying to gain all they can, can all they get, and then sit on the can and say, yes, look what I got. It means nothing. Financial is not where it's at. It's Jesus. We have to remember, finances is not the issue. Abraham was a very wealthy man. Job, a very most wealthiest man. It's not about wealth. God gave you wealth right now. Could you handle it? Not everybody can handle wealth. Many people get wealth and they destroy themselves with it. Wealth is a gift, but it also has a great, great responsibility that comes with it. It's not always all what you think of. One millionaire told me this. He said, I, he said, you know, the more wealthier I get, the harder it is to live. And I said, what, what do you mean by that? He said, I don't know who to trust anybody. Who is my real friends? I don't know who my real friends is. My. Now I have, to, I have to second guess everything. I don't know who my real friends are. Totally can get that. You, you and I totally can understand that. But here's, here's a parable talking about a great pearl. And he said, everything he has, everything he has to get this one pearl. That's what Jesus Christ is. And when you want just Jesus, when you want Jesus because he's all that and more, and all that other stuff doesn't mean as much, that's why all of a sudden we get to understand the greater treasure. Paul understood the greater treasure. How about this one? This is a very important one. I think that Moses truly understood in find 11 Hebrews 11, chapter 26, 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead towards his reward. You imagine that? We, we have a hard time understanding that. But this is what's so important is that we have to understand that we have a past. But we also have a promise. And I pray that as you enter this new year, you start to intentionally think about what you want this new year to look like. 
I, I really want you to think about it. Be intentional. To recognize, to recognize that God wants to do something in you. Yes, you have a past. Yes, you have some mistakes. Yes, you have a situation. Yeah, you mistreated. And that could all be whatever it is. I want to tell you something. God's giving you a new day, a new year, a new perspective. And if he could do it from Paul and so many more in the scriptures, he could do it for you. But you have to want it. You have to want it. You have to be in it to win it. You have to be intentional. Because if you're not intentional, then you'll never win. You'll never win. Let me just close with a couple things. This year, where are you going to be? Where where are the areas you're going to give time and focus to? What are the things that are going to be important to you? Write them down. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to impact? Who are you going to influence? Write it down. What's going to be your goal to reach? Whether it be half-year goal, full-year goal, whatever that goal is or goals. What are those things you want to reach? What are you going to aim at? What do you really want to see happen? Write it down. And how strong, how strong, how strong do you want to live for the Lord? And I want you to put a description to what that looks like. What does it mean to live strong for God? Write it down. Put it down. Understand it. Get a game plan. To say, you know what, I'm no longer just going to float. I'm just not only going to get up in the morning and just take my day and see where it goes. But I'm going to be intentional. Going to be intentional with it. We only have so much time. So much time. Some of you may say, well, I'm much older than you. Yeah, but we all have the same amount of time in the day. We have to ask ourselves the question, how are we going to be doing our things or God things? And more than that, are we inviting God into whatever we're doing? Remember, he's there. He's there. Make him aware that he's there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by the Spirit, and the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. God is working a great work in you and through you, and I want you to prepare your heart this year. I want you to be intentional. I want you to start thinking. I want you to reflect upon your last year. But I want you to say, what would you want to see happen different? And then if you want help with them getting a game plan, let me know. I'll help you. I love doing stuff like that. It's exciting to get a game plan. He who aims at nothing hits it every single time. So, hey, why don't you aim for the sun and hit the moon? That's okay, too. But just aim. Just aim. Because God wants to do a good work. Could you stand to your feet? I pray that the number one thing that you do is you seek the Lord. If you're those by online, I just want to encourage you. One of the greatest things that we need to do is put God in the equation. Each one here, each one there, online. Will you make Jesus Christ first your Savior? That's the first place to, to start. Saying, God, here I am. What I have, what I've got, and what I'm not. Try me now and see if I can be completely yours. That's what it's about. You're looking at the most, a person who's don't have much. But what God has given me, I give it back. I give it back because I'm his. And from the little, I know he can do the most. And that's why my dependence is not on myself, but on Christ Jesus with my whole heart. Maybe you're here this morning with your eyes closed. And you just need to get your, your heart right with the Lord, right with the Lord. 
You just say, you know, Lord, I haven't been living the way I should live. I haven't been thinking the way I should be thinking. I've just been doing. I haven't really been connected, Lord. And maybe you could agree with that. If you agree with that, just with your eyes closed, raise your hand right where you are. Right where you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe those, yeah. And maybe those online, you would say, yeah, I haven't been where I need to be. I, I haven't been there. I, I, I know the Lord. I love the Lord. But I, I'm just, no, I know deep in my heart I'm not serving the Lord. Be honest with yourself. Be honest. Just be honest. And just right now, say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to help me. I cannot do this by myself. I cannot do this by myself. I need you to help me. And right now, right now, I yield myself. I ask you to forgive me for my hurt that I've done against you, for my attitude. I ask you to help me, God. Forgive me. I now release everything into your hands. I want to respond according to the way you want me to respond. I want to live according to the way you want me to live. I choose you. I believe you died on the cross for me. And the third day he rose again. And right now, right now, right now, I am yours. I am your child. I am saved according to your word. Romans 10, 9 and 10. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.